Hello and welcome to Alternative Christian Voices. It's me, your favourite, Mouthy Snowflake, my new rap name, Sam Shepard. I'm sat here with Jamie Mann. Jamie, correct me if I am at any point wrong here. You are the founder and one of the hosts of The Sonic Show. And your profile, your profile says that you're the official world's biggest Sonic fan. How exactly does one make that official? Is there, is there a committee? I'm hoping for a committee. Well, I have to correct you, actually, because it's Europe's biggest Sonic fan. Oh. I'm working my way towards world... But the moment is just the European region, uh, and that <laughs> so was. So you've got someone above you who's the world's biggest Sonic fan. Well, I saw someone on social media a few days ago uh, post that. Oh, I think I'm the world's uh, biggest Sonic fan. It's like actually, <laughs> I have a title. So before you, you come for my title first, before you start going for the world, the world champion. Okay, yeah. so Europe's Europe's biggest Sonic fan. How does one become Europe's biggest Sonic fan? Uh, so Sonic has been around a fair few years now and his 25th anniversary there Sega Europe held this big contest and they were we're going to find Europe's biggest Sonic fan and fly them to Comic Con in San Diego where the big anniversary party is happening and they asked everyone to submit videos and I just submitted a video and basically it was like I have too much Sonic stuff my whole life is Sonic um, f feel bad for me because I'm an adult who hasn't moved on and uh, I think it worked and they, they said fine and uh, I even got a sash sash? I know Does very, very Miss World like? is it blue? Um, it uh, at my request was pink, uh, oh. just because the idea of like it. Whenever I see it, uh, like that sort of sash, it gives me Miss World vibes. And I was like, let's just fully play into that. <laughs> just play into the absolute absurdity of what's <laughs> happening right now. So yeah. So um, I'm sorry. I've just I've got a very odd picture in my head that <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed to. <laughs> I'm imagining you doing a Miss World competition. I think I think the talent round I'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'd do, but well, if you had one wish, what would it be? <laughs> to be to be world. Oh, so I... No, what you're supposed to say. You're, su you're supposed not... to say world peace. That, but does that apply in a, in a Sonic pageant? No, that's, but we're that's a concept of Sonic we're, pageant. We're doing this world now. Oh, that's yeah, that's a good point actually. I, yeah, I guess the thing is to ask for world peace. That's too late. Love and I'm world peace. I'm afraid you're not Miss World. <laughs> I just keep my other sash. <laughs> So you're also um, you're also part of the team at Woodlands Metro in Bristol. I am indeed, yeah. Okay. And perhaps most significantly in this case, you're an openly gay man. So why don't you tell me just the short version, like five minutes of of your of your story? My story. Um, it's quite a weird one because, especially in terms of my faith, like. I'm now, how old am I now? I'm 32. That's worrying. So, it's not something them. I can tell you. It's more the sort of thing you would know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a worry when I'm getting to that point now where I have to think about how old I am. But I'm 32, and like I've only been a Christian for two-ish years, two, three years. And so my whole life growing up, been very much, well, I was deem an atheist, very anti-God, anti-church. The whole time just didn't intrigue me at all. And uh, sort of just grown up in Bristol, worked in retail, sort of surrounded myself in that circle of friends who very much had the same mindset that, like, isn't isn't Jesus a bunch of nonsense? It's okay, you can say it. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, and just very much supporting anything that would suggest that, you know, the, the church is dwindling and the church needs to go and all that. And then it was until, yeah, I just before I turned 30 that sort of, everything sort of changed in this weird way in my life. And it was actually through meeting other gay Christians that that's what changed, that's what started that whole journey. So so, so meeting meeting other gay people who, who were Christians hmm. opened uh, yeah. that up to you? Yeah, because, again, you, you if you look so narrowly at social media, uh, and as I did, uh, it presents, I think, very one strong image, which is that... Uh, the Christian in the more generalised sense is a very judgy um, hateful place where nothing goes and you, you're not loved because you don't belong here and it was and I've always thought I think even when I was younger there were times where I would sort of explore or think about faith or think about who God is but I would always hit that roadblock growing up in my 20s of just like no, because then I'll read this article saying that these people are against homosexuality and this article saying that 
um, gay people are to blame for these horrific events in the world and all this sort of stuff. And it would always, those obstacles would always keep coming up. And it was only until, yeah, I met someone who was um, a, a gay person who was going to church. And then I just flicked that question of, what? Well, why don't you have that obstacle? And then it sort of started rolling from there really just and the novel i guess the novelty of seeing another of a gay christian was like how does that work that just feels like that doesn't in at the time it's like that i don't physically understand how that two things can coexist at all without just being absolutely horrific right well and i can sympathize and i i i in other ways i had a lot of the same issues with the church and not not around sexuality yeah. but um around sort of class and mm. attitudes to other things but you know, if 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 you're if everything you've seen on on media, if everything you think about Christians is that is that they're judgmental people who mm. won't accept me, mm. of course you're going to think this isn't for me. Yeah, and it was, I think also again, and this is another issue with social media in general is whatever you I think your start opinions are that social media just sort of feeds you more and more of what you already think, so you just sort of delve mm. deeper into one. It's not social media is not a great place to have a broad perspective of everything. I don't think social media has ever been known for offering a balanced point of view. So all that sort of stuff really fed into me thinking. So we, yeah, when I met this person, I was like, "How does that work?" And then it was through t- talking to them and understanding what their faith meant to them. I think made me realise that actually all this social media stuff and news and these people protesting against gay people at pride parades and stuff. Um, is actually not what it's about. And I think it was then I realised actually this is about my relationship with God and not about other Christians around me and um, who they represent and what their opinions are. And then it made me start focusing more on that one-on-one relationship, which I think was a necessary starting point. Right, to move it, away from the idea that, that um, as a Christian I am all of these people... Exactly. Yeah, I think that was 100% what it was. But that is a, I mean, that is a challenge, it's certainly a challenge I have, because um, you know, the Bible does talk about us being, being a, a family, a body, one, mm. one church, and, yeah. and the fact that um, um, in many ways I'm very, I'm very fortunate um, because I'm a straight white man. Um, which means as a Church of England priest, <laughs> I'm, I'm right in the pocket. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I wasn't, if I wasn't like working class and... and you know, and had no personality whatsoever, then I'd be perfect. If yeah. I was, if I was, um, if I was like middle class and boring as well, mm-hmm. I'd just be mm-hmm. ideal. Yeah. But so, so in many ways, I'm very fortunate. But I, I think of like, like there's one church. There's a joke I make sometimes, but um, it's true, really. That there's one church in South Bristol in my deanery that that I haven't presided in. I do a lot of cover. Right. And there's one church I haven't presided in. And the reason is because it's a forward and faith church, and they, they don't recognise the ordination of women. And in my mm-hmm. head, I think, well, my training incumbents a woman. The person who taught me everything I know about being a priest is a woman. Yeah. So if she doesn't count, how do I? Right. Like, if she's not legitimate, how? In what possible way could I be legitimate? Yeah. And then I think, well, if I don't feel comfortable uh, presiding at this altar, I don't feel comfortable with this church. How exactly are we one? body how are we mm. one church how, how do i rectify the fact that i don't feel comfortable coexisting with these people mm-hmm. but actually i theologically think i have to yeah that's there's a... no question there <laughs> that's um, um that, that, but yeah <laughs> the it's biggest problem in <laughs> journey. go go um it's the sort of thing i think it's something i think we all think about it's and i think it's something i've learned with time as well in my journey through my faith is actually realizing that um I mean, just like in any society, there are there are different reflections and different opinions and different types of people out there in the world. And actually, one of the things I've been learning more and more is, uh, I think there's this notion, I hear a lot about people saying, I, mean, I have conversations with people talking about them doing things or contributing to church and stuff, who are Christians, and the general uh, thing they come back with always, but I'm not a good enough Christian. Um, I'm not not you know I'm not a good Christian I'm a terrible Christian because I've done this or I do that or I'm not you know my maybe I should change my opinions on this or I should and it's like that's great I guess if that's what you think but actually the beautiful the beautiful thing about it is um that's where God's grace comes in and I actually none of us are really good enough but that's but God 
has that grace for all of us and loves all of us. And I think it made me realize that actually there can be people who don't agree with my uh, lifestyle, as they would call it. Um, and there are uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, people who support me and there are people like me who are living in it. And actually God loves all of us. And there's sort of, sort of a weird beauty in that that I, I love to explore more and more as I get to. I think the more I know my reach of people and I get to know more people um, and in terms of sexuality and different discussion points and I've realised that actually it's so much deeper than yes I approve and no I don't approve there's so many more layers than that uh, but I think the fact that we all ha- do have this one thing at the core of it which is that um, we believe in Jesus and we believe that you know that he will rise again like, the fact I think that ties us all together um, I think it does lead conversation to happen in a positive way. Mm. Um, I think it's when people think because you behave that sort of way, you Christ has no time for you. That's when, that's where problems happen. And it's just, to be honest, it's just irrefutably nonsense. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because I, I think I mean, I've been trying really hard mm. uh, lately to be very actively an, an ally to... Uh, to the LGBT community, but also just to other people, because I think the temptation for me is, as I said, as a, as a straight white man, the temptation is just to sit in that and just think, well, you know, I'm on your side, but but I'm going to be on your side from over here. Yeah. Um, but I think, to be honest, the the biggest thing for me is whenever it's come up before, whenever I've been asked, uh, and people have asked me about sexuality in particular, I think I just don't care really yeah. don't care who you're sleeping with <laughs> yeah. who your partner is that was crude but you know what I mean I like, get I you though I don't like I, the, I, I'm deeply concerned about the, the nature of your relationship I'm deeply concerned about about the health of your relationship about is it a constructive thing is it a life giving thing I'm, I'm deeply concerned about your partnership but the gender of your partner I've just got way bigger things to deal with yeah there's like, there's like in my parish there's about uh, 70, 70 odd people in my church. Mm-hmm. There's about fifteen thousand in the parish. Mm-hmm. If I'm, yeah, you know, if I if I've got time to worry about, yeah, gender, then I'm not sure that I'm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think um, someone described it to me that at the core, you had the argument of is is was was and is Jesus real, and then out of that layer, you have other conversation argue of points of view and then out of that you got further layers and to me like sexuality is so far on the outer rim of what those discussion points are like um i feel like at some especially again when i was first understanding what my faith was i was very much focused on that center part and i thought like i haven't my sexuality is so far away like i haven't got time to be debating <laughs> that and unfortunately um, with time you, you feel like i've been getting closer and clo- closer and oh, that that conversation is going to have to come up at some point this, this is the argument i always have with, with my friend i have a friend who um i love him very very much and I, I i don't really like telling stories about him because they don't always reflect him well and he is like genuinely he he quite he quite strongly disagrees with your lifestyle. That mm. if you were to meet him mm. and he knew everything about you, you would find him to be one of the kindest people you yeah. have. He's a wonderful man. I'm godparents, mm. one of his children. I, I yeah. adore him. So, so I'm careful what I say. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, he's very, he's very uh, anti-gay, for want of a better term. He thinks mm. that homosexuality is causing most of the problems in the world. And every time I have a debate with him, it always comes back to the same point, where I say, well, look, mate, Jesus talked... He didn't. He hardly spoke at all about about sex. Ha- hardly even mentioned sex. But he talked an awful lot about poverty. Mm-hmm. He um, didn't talk about sexuality once, but he talked an awful lot about injustice. Once you have solved poverty and injustice, yeah. then we'll talk about sex. Yeah. Um, it just seems to me that that, that it's a, a, a the priorities are wrong. Mm-hmm. It, the, the order of things is wrong. He yeah. says interviewing someone about homosexuality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I get it though because. No, to me though, because I would love to feel that actually that's that I would say there are so many to me more important importance are probably not the best word, but there's there are subjects to me that I think I need more of our concern, I need more of our um, feeling about an injustice that needs wrongs we need to right that that, I, that don't even come near the topic of sexuality. I think the only reason is because we've now built up making it an issue by saying whether it's right or wrong and in a lot of cases saying it's it's not okay uh we've pushed a lot of people out 
um, and now they can't get over that hurdle that we've built. <laughs> we've built the hurdle. <laughs> so now we have to deal with and it. And now we've got to demand, whereas if the hurdle wasn't there in the first place, <laughs> then it could be a conversation to have a little on. But it's like, yeah, we built a wall, and now we're asking people to climb over it. Uh, rather than you know help them go around the wall or be like no you've, you've got to climb over the wall and it's like well it's very high wall and it's very tiring <laughs> um, and then I think a lot of people just see that wall and they're like nah no, you've built you've built it so I, I don't want to be on the other side of it right. I, mean, I mean it does say to me that I, I don't know that these it must just scream you're not welcome here like God doesn't want you if the, if the church doesn't want you God doesn't want you I don't think that that's true but that's the way a lot of people I think that's a lot it. of people see it and I, I think because especially I know like now I'm inside uh, and I'm very happy in the church and I'm, I'm more comfortable with my faith I know that church doesn't necessarily speak f- for God like I, I don't like because you, you'll find so many churches have different opinions on everything and they feel God's calling them in very different ways uh, but when you're outside of that church 100% represents God like it's if you're out to me if you're outside of and you don't know Jesus then every action a Christian makes is being a witness for Jesus so and it actually is so much more significant when you don't have faith being a witness because every action you do you're I say well that's what you're doing as an individual that must be what Jesus and God thinks one of the things I, I say to my church quite a lot is that um you know, for most people, you might be the only Christian they encounter that day. They're going to judge all of us based on what you do and say, yeah. rightly or wrongly. And yeah. frankly, I said, you know, knowing some of them, I think like wrongly, don't judge me yeah. based on that person. Yeah. But they, people are going to. Yeah. And I suppose I must do it. And you know, in other mm. in other areas, I must yeah. judge all of one group on because it's instinctive, isn't it? Mm. It's just something people do. Yeah. So oh. we did. We mentioned church, and um, um, so I'm going to move on to it. So you're part of Woodlands Metro, which is mm. Bristol City Centre. Yeah. Which is a plant of Woodlands Church, is that? That right is correct. Word? Yeah. Um, which uh, you know, if you don't know Woodlands Church, Woodlands is is a big. I think actually the biggest independent evangelical church in Bristol, as far as I know, it's still the biggest. Now I'm trying not to make unfair assumptions about Woodlands because I really <laughs> don't know Woodlands. I, yeah. I I know them by reputation, but I don't I don't know the community there, and I don't want to make assumptions that aren't fair. Mm. But I think it probably is fair to say that the independent evangelical churches are quite often quite conservative churches mm-hmm. that certainly I think it's fair to say the term evangelical um, to a lot of people conjures a kind of conservative if you had the word evangelical has kind of conservative connotations yeah. rightly or wrongly yeah. so so I guess what I'm building up to as, as an openly gay man mm-hmm. what's been your experience of that sort of environment that, that independent evangelical that sort of charismatic church Charismatic church. Um, I, I just I throw a lot of, <laughs> I throw a lot of terms at you. Know, uh, that mean anything? It's interesting because actually I think Woody's has a very troubled history on the sexuality topic um, in its past. Uh, in fact, so much so that when I've told people who are also gay Christians or just Christians actually that I go to a Woody's church, uh, the, uh, some of the reaction is, "Oh." Woodies, okay. Wasn't <laughs> to, to be honest with you, I, I did a double take. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's a, I think Woodlands Metro specifically. Uh, I can't speak too much on Woodies as a whole, but the the plant I've been going to, uh, they've. I think the first thing was when I came there, they didn't ask what my background was, what my sexuality was. They just wanted to know me. And then whatever that was, that's probably uh, the, the biggest compliment. If, if speaking as a church leader, if, if you were talking about my church, that's probably the biggest compliment you could uh, you could have given. And us. I think yeah, yeah, and it's so true. They, I went in there and they just wanted to know who is Jamie and what's Jamie about. And then uh, with time, uh, I think I, I did have conversations about sexuality and stuff. And I think there is that mentality in in Metro specifically that I they it, it's a they don't deal with, um, and this has its pros and its cons, but they don't, I think, so much deal with people in terms of uh, minorities, in terms of sexuality, race, the cultures. They just deal with people, and Jesus loves people. So as long as you fit in the, <laughs> the realm of people, then you'll be okay. Uh, and it's been so welcoming because I think 
if I'd been like, there could have been other churches where I think that would have been a, a first co- a first conversation point with sexuality because it wasn't with with this church, and um, it made it a lot easier. Um, it's interesting I find with evangelical churches in general they're a lot more interested in relationship in terms of person to person relationship, uh, which has I think works really well in terms of like I was saying going in there and just wanting to get to know me and build those relationships up, but then I think it is interesting how that evolves in terms of sexuality, in terms of relationships. Because uh, I think they're very focused on that. And that can come with good points and less less so good points. Uh, so it's been interesting to navigate that. Um, but I feel like with the church I'm in, and I've, I've noticed a few other evangelical churches, that they're at least willing to have that conversation and explore that with you. Um, and I, I've been, it's been interesting because... It doesn't. That doesn't mean that out of the gate it's been a hundred percent perfect and everything's been just easy. Uh, but it, it's been so rewarding to have be in a place where that conversation's willing to be had and navigate that. Because by doing that, and they've had that conversation on on in sermons and in, in a more public platform, and that's given the window for other people who identify as LGBT. QIA and all that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've said this before. Uh, but you need a better name. <laughs> um, but it's it's opened that window for other people to then be, oh, what's going on here, and then start asking those questions for themselves too. Um, so actually, by starting that discussion, other people have been wanting to join in that discussion and explore it for themselves, which I really liked. Um, but it's been interesting to see how that's compared to other forms of church. Um, I've found that quite interesting because I feel like actually for me personally I found the Church of England my perception of it was more um, backward yeah <laughs> yeah and that, that's my perception um, sorry I'm very yeah, interested to know yeah I feel like on the surface it just it always felt a more traditional and therefore traditional to a point of like not being a fair few years <laughs> behind everywhere else um, but actually in reality I've been finding more and more that um, that's just a stereotype and I think for the, for the most part we're, we're far too obsessed with, with our robes and dresses and <laughs> exactly. buildings and we, 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 yeah. we're, we're wrong in different ways yeah. <laughs> um, like no, nobody, 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 nobody cares about your sexuality <laughs> what, um, what robes do you think you should wear for communion um, but yeah it's been interesting I think even for my experience with evangelical churches um, they're, they're very focused on you as a person um, how that works in terms of you being in a relationship with someone is uh, something I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> seeing how that pans out. <laughs> so has that not come up yet? It's come up. Um, it's it's interesting because I think you then move on to a conversation of uh, marriage and the status of what marriage means and is that is that valid between two people of the same sex? Is it a is it a ceremony between a man and a woman? And that brings up a lot of other questions. But then it draws back to that. I feel like evangelical churches in general. I don't feel have, especially because it's independent as well. But in a whole, like because there isn't a, a clear answer on that. It means you don't know where the goalpost is. You don't know. For me, I've the other. Um, church groups that have made more clearer statements on things uh like whether they believe it to be the case or not for marriage but at least if you know the answer's no you go right okay that's that's where they that's i know where they stand so i know where we need to move towards right so so you like the fact there's a clear because one of the criticisms of the church of england in general is our inability to take a clear stand on things there's reasons for that the biggest one being that we rightly or wrongly we try very hard wherever we go to take everybody with us yeah so we we try very hard not to alienate any subgroup in the church mm-hmm. whether or not that's perhaps we should just say do you know what this is where we're going take it or leave mm-hmm. it but it's not going to happen but i i like that because if you know that where again if you just know where you stand you know a do you want to fight for this do you want to um continue asking why um in some cases like okay they don't believe in marriage but then what what can what what does work within that like do they agree with civil partnerships and things like there's lots of things you can clearly think about or work with or say actually that's not good enough and i want to change things or want to help be part of the change when a church um 
doesn't have that clear and is more of an umming and ahhing, you don't know where you stand. And I feel like actually with the more evangelical church, it is more umming and ahhing on that topic because... And it all, but I think a lot of things in relationship tied back to that. Like if you believe or do not believe in sex before marriage or living together before marriage, and so many things like, well, for that to work in a gay relationship, you you really do need to define what marriage is then, because if you aren't willing to define that in black and white, all these other things about how a relationship works, if they're all leading towards marriage, but if so, the final step of this whole conversation isn't clear then everything else, in my opinion, is very up in the air. Like, what does that mean, then? If I can't get to that final step, or you're not sure if I can get to that final step, then how do I know if I'm doing anything right leading up to that point? Right. So you have no framework to Exactly, work like, within. it's like, if you have a framework lead at almost like a pyramid of all these options going to the top, the top being marriage. If you take the top off and then there's nothing, you're like, well, there's nothing at the top. So I don't know how to build this pyramid. Like, <laughs> so it, it becomes very frustrating. It was one of the, um, marriage was one of the things I wanted to ask about really. Um, and I get, I, I get quite, I don't know if, um, I don't know if annoyed is the right word. I'm not sure that it is, mm. but, but maybe perplexed is a better, is a better word when people say things like, um, I believe in, in, in the biblical view of marriage. I, I believe in marriage as is defined in the Bible. And because, you know, like, what biblical view of marriage? Which, which biblical view yeah. of marriage, you know? There's, um, do, you mean, do you mean exclusively marrying relatives like Abraham and Isaac? <laughs> like, like do, are we, do we mean to say, you know, I believe in the biblical view of marriage, so, you know, it's just first cousins or closer? <laughs> or, 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 or do we mean, do we mean like, um, marrying a dozen women like David do we mean like I believe in biblical marriage so I can have as many wives as I want but that same rule doesn't apply yeah. to women they can only have one husband um, that's a defending a hypothetical <laughs> <laughs> got all feminist <laughs> on um, or, or Paul who says Paul said it's better not to get married at all Paul said Paul said you're better off not married at all you know which which marriage which which biblical version of marriage I'm, I'm very pro-marriage I, I got married when I was 20 mm. Um, and it was an excellent decision. I'm, I'm very pro-marriage, but I think we need to acknowledge that there isn't a clear-cut, straightforward model for marriage in the Bible. I think we just need to put that on the table and say that there is not a... a Jesus did not say, this is what marriage is. It's not that clearly defined. So I do, went on a rant. But what, what's your, <laughs> what, what is your take on marriage? What's your view? What do you think about marriage? I... So I, I actually agree with what you say. I don't... To me... I've not been able to come to any firm conclusion on what a biblical marriage means. Like, and there's nothing... I've I've had discussions, I've tried to look, look into these subjects, and I just managed to come up with such wildly differing viewpoints. Nothing, nothing on that subject specifically seems concise to me, especially when you bring in who, who marriage is in terms of gender and who can marry, like, say, gender or opposite genders or same genders. Um... I do believe there is a significance in marriage, regardless of gender. I feel like if you make a commitment to someone um, in terms of your relationship with someone and you want to make that commitment with God and you want to actually say, actually, this is someone that I will... I feel like God does call everyone in life somewhere. And actually, I think when, to me, marriage is saying, actually, this, I've, you've brought me to this person who you're calling us on the same path. We're, there's a calling for both of us together that you've you you want us to do and i think actually marriage is a beautiful way of making that commitment with god saying right let's do this we are we're a unit now and we are we will go wherever you take us like wherever your plan for us is then we are in this as as a and i think there's something really beautiful about that um so then it frustrates me when you get into the pedantic nature of whether you can have that or not or when people say you can have that but not in this sense or you can have that but we don't want to call it marriage and it's like well what then you are being pedantic like i don't that when people get weird about terminology like we want you to have everything the same but please don't call it marriage it's like at what point does it matter <laughs> you more is it just the word that means more to you than everything else so like what it represents what it represents is fine but just don't call it that um, it's, it's not I mean, the thing that annoys me about it is that, is that it's, it's not the same and, and, and I do think I, I think I agree with you a lot on, on your view of marriage one of, the, one of the things that's most often quoted 
um, from the Bible about marriage is that line, um, two, uh, two people become one flesh. So that, that tends to be interpreted sexually. I don't think that's actually relevant. I mean, I'm sure it could be, but I mm-hmm. think as a married person, like, like my marriage is, is massively important to me. And, and, and it's the fact that when we got married, we became one person, not, not literally, yeah. but in a metaphorical sense. Right. What we are, 100%. we have thrown our lots in together. Whatever yeah. happens to one of us yeah. happens to the other. And mm. um, we've become one flesh. And, mm. and I think to interpret that entirely sexually is to massively limit what that means. Yeah. I but, uh, but I do think that I, I, I was talking to, uh, it was years ago now, but I remember talking to a friend of mine who's, um, who's ordained. I say friend, I don't actually like him. That's not the point. Um, <laughs> Who's not? <laughs> Sorry if he's listening. Sorry. I haven't named you. You're fine. <laughs> who's 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 not ordained priest and he's in a um he's in a civil partnership. Um, and he he was essentially explaining to me that that to to get through selection, to to be ordained, he had to, he had to swear to the bishop that his his partnership was was purely a partnership and not sexual, mm-hmm. and without calling him out because I you know I don't know that I'd have done any better but. He lied to his bishop, and more more importantly, his bishop knew he was lying. His bishop asked him to lie to him. Yeah. And and I think like it's not the same because actually, what you're saying is you can have it all the same, but you've got to hide it. You can have all the yeah. same, but you've got to yeah. pretend. You've yeah. got to. We're not going to call it marriage, and you've got to pretend you're not having sex. And I just think it's just for a start, it's childish. Yeah. But also, it's just. To, it's like that as a as a particularly good example. You're calling someone to ordination. You're you're going to expect them to be a reputable, honest person to lead communities, and you're starting that out by asking them to lie. Yeah. And, and I nearly named him. This per- <laughs> this, Don't this do that. This person, Don't do that. This person said, so I, I brought that up with him, and I said, I said, so what, you know, how how do you write that in your head, having lied to your yeah. bishop like that, to his face openly, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you write that? He said, well, I, I said that we don't have sex. I'm not defining what I mean by sex. <laughs> it's, 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 oh, it's, it's, all in the nitty gritty of the, the terms and conditions, like and the loopholes, and it's, it seems like why do we give ourselves all these hoops to jump through? And like, and again, it, I think it, it's create it does create a sort of for you to be okay, you sort of need to be hidden or deceitful in a way, whether it's something you want to do or not. And it makes me very frustrated. And I, I think the whole thing about civil partnerships as well, I find quite interesting just as a concept like again it's off it's saying it's the same but it's not the same because again to really to have a civil partnership uh you can it's it's a purely legal thing you can't reference god in it in terms of the actual process so to me there's something quite upsetting about the concept of make having a union where you're you've been asked to basically vacuum god out of the whole thing it's but like that's true of, that's true of um sort of non-church weddings. My, my friend got married um, and she was quite upset because she wanted to have it in a hotel and, and yeah. didn't realise that she wasn't allowed to have prayer, she wasn't allowed to have a Bible, she wasn't allowed to have any of that because it was a secular yeah. celebrant. And um, one of the things that really hurts me, really bothers me, is it's probably fairly self-evident if, if, if you know, this hasn't already worked it out <laughs> that I'd be fine doing a gay marriage. Um, I'd just call it a marriage, I don't think I'd care really. But but one of the things that bothers me is that I've actually been actively prohibited from doing that. I'm, I'm yeah. not allowed. So not only so so even even if so you know if you're not if you're not in church if you're not employed by the church in any sense you could just ignore it and get married. Yeah. But but I'm not allowed to marry you. So yeah. you're being forced to exclude your faith from your marriage. Which yeah. It just bothers me because my faith is central to my marriage. I, I got yeah. married. It didn't matter. The other five hundred or so people that are there is not are not relevant. I, yeah. I made a vow before God. Yeah, and that's the only bit I care about yeah. as a as a Christian. Yeah, it's it's so weird that we've been given this sort of situation because again, like I think about if should I ever marry my other half? Like if we want to get married, would we then do a marriage or civil partnership just? in a registry office, quiet, but then maybe have a blessing within a church that's able to do that because there's no necessary <laughs> legal like boundary stopping them from doing so. We, we, um, were, we were recently told... Um, so the, the loophole around this has been, yeah. has been partnership, civil partnership or more recently marriage in a registry office and then a uh, marriage blessing in church. That loophole has recently been closed. Um, personally, I'm ignoring that. 
but because like oh, because I can bless a battleship, yeah. I can go to a, I can go to an army base and I can bless a gun rack. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can I can I can bless anything. As a Church of England priest, I have the right to bless whatever the hell I want to. Yeah. But you're saying I can't bless a relationship? No, yeah. screw that. Okay, I'm just I, I didn't know that I, that like probably being claimed. I'll bless anything, me. But how and that includes your relationship. But but um. And then it shows but, you like that this is the sort of thing gay people have to sort of like navigate and work out how we're going to do it. And then I, I didn't know yeah, that that sort of loop having to navigate. And then games. I didn't know that that sort of loophole had been sort of shelved. So te- I should, I, I on should, a technical. To be fair to the to the to the um, uh, council of bishops who made the decision, um, we're not allowed to call it a marriage blessing. I can still so I can still bless a partnership. But I can't say so that what, what people used to do it's a was, term again. was essentially, yeah, it's terminology. <laughs> essentially, they do the paperwork in the registry office yeah. and then have what was essentially a full wedding service in yeah. church without the paperwork. Yeah. Um, that loophole has been closed. I'm not allowed to call it a marriage blessing. Okay. I have to call it a. I think, I, I think the technical term is blessing of partnership. But, you but can know, it I, still I, be a big party? Some, sorry. <laughs> can it still be a big party? That's, yeah. That's the real question. That's I, 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 to be honest, <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't know if you've listened to, to, to uh, any previous episodes, but yeah. some of the stuff I've said, if my bishop was listening, I'd, I'd be in a lot of trouble by now. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm quietly confident that she's not. So I, I'm just going to go ahead and say I would just bless a, I would just bless a marriage. Yeah. All um, I would say on the topic of marriage and also where relationship blessings and la-di-da blessings, whatever they want to call it, um, is to those those people who are in same-sex relationships, like, find those loopholes, fight it, and, like, I feel like if you feel you love someone and actually you both know Jesus and you want that to, to be, you want Jesus to be the person who's steering that relationship, you want to make that union together, then... Don't just say, oh, well, it's, it's not going to work. It's too difficult. So we're just, no, I'd say I'm so proud of people who do find ways to make that commitment to each other and and keep God as involved as legally possibly can. Um, I admire people who do that because I feel actually when people, I think the more you see same-sex Christian relationships and civil partnerships and marriages and those people are leaving good lives and they're doing the best they can and try and live the most christ-like relationship they can um i think that does have a trickle-down effect Mm -hmm. and people start to see that and be actually they're no different to anyone else and they're just as committed to god in their relationship as anyone else could be and i think it's when they you start seeing more of that it's like anything you see more of it it becomes a norm even one of the things that um when i was at college the guy that taught us um uh, Grant, his job was to teach us like like law, canon law, and stuff. What the church's rules, or yeah. what the Church of England's official rules are. Um, what he said was, um, what what he said was that um, if you look through the history of the Church of England, the rules have always been updated to catch up with practice. Yeah. So rules have changed because the Council of Bishops have gone. Well, all of our clergy are already doing this, so we better we better make it. Make, yeah. We better make them allowed to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I. I, I <laughs> Um, last September, I stumbled over my words, so I don't think I'm going to delete it. I think I'm going to stick to live. It's more fun. <laughs> um, last September, I spoke to Father Michael Selby. Father Michael's an openly gay priest mm-hmm. in the Church of England. And he's in uh, Ruslet Manor, I think, somewhere in London. Yeah. Um, and I asked him how he responds to people who say homosexuality, or at least, uh, to use an absolutely awful phrase, homosexual practice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I there's that. not a better term. I'm I, so sorry. I do remember. Or if there's a better term, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so I, I asked him. I asked him if you know, how he responds to people who say that that homosexuality, homosexual practice, is is sinful or wrong. Now you're about thirty years younger than Michael. Yeah. Um, you're from a different generation. Mm-hmm. Really, I would say you're from a very different world. But you still face a lot of the same challenges and a lot of the same issues. Mm. So I'd like to ask you the same question. How do you respond to people who say that um, it's sinful to be gay? Or that at the very least it's sinful to be actively gay? Is that better? It's not, is it? Actively it's as gay. If I'm, as if I'm not being actively straight. Or I am being actively straight. I guess I am. So I think sometimes it'd be easier just to be inactively gay. It'd be a lot quieter. That's just hang around the house and just not, <laughs> just stop, stop being so actively gay everywhere. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> going around gay everywhere. Um, I, there's so many ways to tackle that for me. I think especially someone who's relatively newish in their faith. Uh, but what I have learned so far is one, uh, 
in terms of is it sinful to be gay uh it's, it's just difficult because I feel like in some senses we're all sinful so it's, it's the case of at what point do you start saying these sins are more valid than or less valid or these sins are problematic and these sins aren't problematic I think because we're all you know we are all broken people but then also from what I've read and my through prayer like I don't know it just there's a lot in the bible and there's you you, you know there's there's so many arguments about oh this verse says this and this verse says that but then there's equally people who would argue that these verses mean completely different things or in completely different contexts um so i i feel like people who just read like a verse and i've had this happen to me actually people who aren't christian who found out i was going to church they would just out without context just read me point blank a verse that that on the surface is is not very gay friendly it's like actually you need to with any verse you can you need to dive so much deeper than just what's you can read it and the first thing that comes to your head i think there's so much more behind every word in that in the bible than what you're just reading um so i feel like actually it just doesn't sit with me that and the other thing is i feel like if I, I, I'm not well versed enough to say I can say flat out that my, my, my being an active homosexual is, um, <laughs> is a huge sin that, and, it, and God's going to like, when, you know, when I get to point, he's going to be like, well, you messed up there, mate. So <laughs> down you go. Um, but what I do know is actually through practicing my faith as an active Christian, um, is I feel like if if God genuinely was unhappy with my uh, the people I wanted to love, um, he, he wouldn't have given me the opportunities to serve him and do works for him. I feel like actually he's given me amazing opportunities to be a witness for him, and I feel like. Um, and I and I I take more in the actions of that than what other people think. I feel like that just speaks more to me. I feel like, yeah, I just feel like God's actually used me in so many ways to speak to other people and show them faith through my sexuality. And I feel like I I really like that. And I find like actually sometimes my sexuality is something that opens doors for people to find faith um, through being relatable and connecting to people. Uh, so this idea that it's this big sinful thing that God's just shaking his head at just doesn't f- fit with me because it doesn't represent the what's happening in my life right now. And uh, then there have been things in my life that I, well, especially when I was going into faith, that I changed in my life because I could tell that I almost felt like God was weeping, like that these things were happening in my life. Um, but my sexuality was not one of those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I think God's actions with me have spoken louder than anything else. And, uh, yeah, I think just, yeah. At the end of the day, if, if, you, if you're clever enough, you can use the Bible to make an argument for anything. So. Well, yeah, you can. Right? <laughs> the, the, what you described earlier was known as proof texting. So mm-hmm. to, to quote... To quote one verse, um, like, for example, uh, a man must not lie with another man and use that as, it says this, so Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Well, that's Mm -hmm. proof texting. It's it's academically invalid. No legitimate scholar Mm -hmm. would take that seriously as an Mm -hmm. argument um, because you could do that of anything. Um, um, uh, So I I do like a daily audio Bible reading. Mm -hmm. I'm not the strongest reader. Mm -hmm. Um, And the line was, um, and Aaron waved the breasts. So I could just say, well, the Bible says Aaron waved the breasts, so we should, so we should just wave in the breasts. breasts yeah. and that's, that's completely an inappropriate thing to say. That's mm. bad theology. That's yeah. essentially what someone is doing when they pull out one line exactly. and throw it at I you. agree with that. Um, I'm not saying... Because one of the things I was really surprised with, I suppose, I love Michael, I really, really do. Yeah. He was someone I, I trained with, and he was someone who... Yeah. So when we did our... I don't know if you... There's no reason you would know, but, um, the final selection panel for ordination is a three-day like intensive... On like right. on site like okay. interview retreat sort yeah. of thing, and me and Michael were on the same one. We shared a wall, and it was very thin. And I don't sleep, yeah. uh, especially when I'm stressed. So I kept him up all night, and he was just one of the kindest men I know. I really do love him very much. But but one of the things I found really interesting is that 
So when I asked him the same question, I'm not trying to undermine what he said, but I asked him the same question that actually I found it quite conservative. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't totally agree with his response. He yeah. attached it to, uh, to the fool and to, to sort of how we're broken. I don't, I don't know. I don't quite buy that. I, I, I haven't got a better answer, but, uh, but it, doesn't yeah. fit, it doesn't sit very well with me. Like, yeah. The biggest thing for me is that God made people this way. Mm. For one reason, I don't know why. Yeah. But God, yeah. God made people this way, and and clearly, it's not a it's not a choice. It's not something people have control of. If it were, how do you explain the countless people that have tried to choose not to be, or gone to gay conversion, or killed yeah. themselves even? Yeah. Um, and and I just I I can't write that in my head. And I suppose I think that there is a debate to be had, and there is a you can make a legitimate argument. You can make a legitimate argument. You know, and I'm willing to have that, and we have to have that. We have to yeah. be able to have that discussion. Otherwise, we're never going to get anywhere. But if that discussion for you is just going to be throwing Bible verses at me with no context, yeah. there's something C.S. Lewis says in one of his um. There's a there's a C.S. Lewis book. There's a collection of of his sermons, mm-hmm. and he he's invited to the pacifist society in in yeah. Oxford, um, and he titled his sermon "Why I'm Not a Pacifist." Um, mm. and he said if, if, you're, if you have a rational argument we can have a debate um, I can argue with you but if you just feel mm. then I can't argue with you you're an idiot mm. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of feel the same thing like, if you have a legitimate argument if, you're, if, you, can, if you can have a back and forth with me then yeah. we can have discussion mm. if all you're going to say is the Bible says it's wrong. I just we can't have. I can't. You're stupid. I can't have that argument. Yeah. Maybe I'm being unkind, but <laughs> I get you to sense. I find everyone's interpretation of what sexuality means biblically is interesting. I also find it very interesting that the conversation around sexuality is more less about sexuality in terms of who your relation you know you might fall in love with, but more about the sex and like right. that seems to be everyone's most key fit, and that's a, a lot of the stuff when the people do use biblical arguments relates specifically to the act of sex um rather than relationship relationship in general and you know i i know there are christian you know, christians who choose to be celibate or people who are uh, in relationships but not sexually active and that's their choice and, 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 and i equally know people who are sexually active and stuff i think it's just interesting that from my experience um i've been in situations where if you're in a, in a space where you may be more visible to people um if you're in a gay relationship they may ask you to actually publicly state that you're um completely not we're 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 together but we're not doing anything and it's like and i find that just very one awkward that i feel like i don't know many straight people who would have to publicly declare their sexual activity and one it's just because it feels a bit gross really (laughs) to, to ask such to be so personally involved in what people are doing just because of their sexuality. Well, quite, yeah, crude. One, one of the conversations I've had, with, I put my hand in front of my mouth. One of the conversations I've had with Michael before is that, um, as I said, we're on the same back. We're on the same selection panel. We had the same yeah. uh, interviews. We had the same examiners. Yeah. Um, I think I had a single question about. I, at the time, I was engaged, but I think it was like two months before my wedding. Um, um, I think I had a single question, and I think it was just. Like, when you when have you got a date for the wedding? And I said, yeah, and that was the end. That of was it. that was the end of the no. Yeah. And, and, and is it? I, I like to think my marriage is quite healthy. Yeah. Um, I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, and I could have answered lots more questions on it. They just yeah. didn't care. But yeah. Michael, who at that time had been in the partnership for twenty thirty years, had had you know a long history of a healthy um, of a healthy relationship that enabled both of them to thrive, mm. was just relentlessly quizzed on it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that that's just. Well, why does me being straight mean that my relationship is probably fine? Like, why 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 is it that because I'm straight, you're not worried about my marriage? I've known lots of clergy to fall down on on a broken marriage that you know, where where you know spiraled into all sorts of other problems because their marriage wasn't healthy, yeah. but nobody asked. It's in- it's an interesting point though because I think there is extra scrutiny on gay relationships which I sometimes can actually put unnecessary pressure, I think, on those gay relationships because then those relationships become more about pleasing people outside of the relationship than being healthy for the people inside it. So it's more about making sure everyone else approves than the two people are actually happy with what's going on. And I find that a bit weird. But then equally, I think it is true that there isn't borderline none of that for straight relationships. And then I don't... So, like, then they're just free to 
thrive or rot <laughs> it's like that where's the support on the other <laughs> end of it like why is there not more of a middle ground where just everyone's expected to uh, you know use a relationship healthier things in a good place for for both ends whereas one it does seem to be the extreme for one and then just complete like get on with it yourself and you know just try and make it work to the other but, end I think that's one that, well, something I said to you earlier that, that in um you know, as, as a church leader as a pastor I, I care very much about your relationship, which is the gender isn't relevant to me. Yeah. Um, why is that support there? Well, not support. Why is that scrutiny there when it's not? And, yeah. and does that translate into support? I don't know. Um, but I'm constantly about to run out of time. So I, yeah. I, this show has acquired a bit of a odd view. I've recently discovered that um, SoundCloud, if you pay for the pro version, has gives you statistics, yes. which I was very surprised by and um, a little uncomfortable with. But um, I've got them, so I read about you. <laughs> <laughs> We, we it's know. a bit like Facebook stalking, you know. We all pretend we, we don't. We know do it. you're we there. All, we all do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, you know, we've got a we've got a lot of Christians, a lot of liberal Christians, but we've also got a, you know some 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 conservative Christians. We've got quite a big contingent of people that wouldn't wouldn't categorize themselves either way, just regular regular ordinary Christian people. And we've also got quite a lot of uh, non-Christian people who've, I guess, taken an interest because in what certainly what I've tried to do is is just give a platform to say, look, we're not. We're not attacking. We're not judging. We're not. I'm not trying to force a conclusion. Just here's the topic. Yeah. Hear someone speak about it. So, with that in mind, is there anything else you, you you want to say before we wrap up? I think the only thing I want to say, and it's something I strongly believe in, is I know there are so many different types of Christians out there who have different points of view. Some of them in more powerful roles, if you will, than others. Uh, and all I would say is two things. One even if you don't agree with people, just let that conversation happen and learn together. But also, yeah, have that conversation. But too, when people are having those conversations, make sure there are, there are people in the LGB, LGBT community who are part of that conversation. Because I feel like where we fall down sometimes is big discussions and heartache and thoughts are happening around these issues about what it means for churches and sometimes I find that they're not actually, they're about gay people or queer people or lesbian people, but they're not actually involving those people in part of the conversation. Mm. They're dictating how, in actually a major way for people of faith where their life's going, they're not part of the conversation. So just be part of the conversation and grow together because I think gay people will learn equally from people who aren't gay as vice versa. So just, yeah, don't just have the conversation. Make sure everyone sat at that table when that conversation's had. Very well said. Um, so I'm going to wrap up. Thank you for listening. Jamie, thank you very much for coming on. My I pleasure. You, didn't I? you did. <laughs> I sometimes call him his partner's name. Partner, his name. Um, <laughs> um, I think you managed to not do it on, on tape, so I'm proud. I was trying really hard not to. I'm going to listen back I, now. <laughs> I, I think I probably, because I haven't got his permission, I probably have to bleep his name. Because I never asked him. And it's, you know... Uh, <laughs> So thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Thank you for, for talking to me. I really enjoyed um, this. I'm really thank looking you. forward to publishing it. Um, uh, so uh, for listeners, um, you know the drill. I do this at the end of every of every one. I haven't got any money. I can't pay Facebook. I need you to like it and share it. I need you to comment in the thing because someone told me if you comment, um, it gets put back up to the top of your feed. So I need you to comment. I need you to like. I need you to share. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And exciting news that um, I haven't announced at this recording, but I'm planning to later on today. Um, we're on Instagram now. I don't know how to work it, but we're there. Um, we're on Apple Podcasts, um, which um, apparently is good. <laughs> I don't really do tech. So, yeah, get out there, like and share, tell all your friends, tell all your enemies. Um, find some conservatives who'd absolutely hate me. I want some hate mail. I've never had any hate mail, and I want some. Go and find the most conservative person you know and tell them to listen to my show. <laughs> if everything goes to plan, I'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening. <laughs>